Uh, let's dig into the Word of God here. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 19 this morning. Um, a familiar, if you grew up in Sunday school, this is a familiar passage to you. Um, maybe even know the song about this guy. But this, we are in Luke 19 today, uh, starting in verse 1, reading Jesus' name. He entered Jericho, by the way, he is Jesus here. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Kids, by the way, that small in stature means he was a short guy. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, the crowd around him. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, you are, you are the seeker of the lost ones. You are the one who leaves the 99 to chase down that one lost sheep. God, you are so full of compassion and love and kindness to us. God, for many of us, that's why we are here this morning, is to hear once again of the good news of your gospel, the good news of the truth, of just how much you love us, that you died for our sins. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. As we dig into your word, as we meditate on it, Lord, would you teach us some truths today. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So like Becca said, we are continuing on in our, uh, in our, our series of Let's Celebrate connected with Adventure Camp that, that kicks off tonight in New Prague. And we're going to run it all week over there. And then it kicks off over here one week from today. Um, we have so many kids signed up for it from all sorts of backgrounds, church kids, not church kids, first timers, kids who, who think they practically like run the place, everywhere in between. And they get to hear the truth about God's word and what God has done for each one of us. And maybe you've picked up on it in the songs that we've sang or in the call to worship that we had today or in the Romans passage that Becca read, but we are on this kind of this topic of adoption. Uh, show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of Gotcha Day before? Few of us, right? I, I gotta be honest with you, I, this was a new one to me. I hadn't heard it, but, I'm, but I am very familiar with 
adoption. According to a study from the University of Oregon, approximately 5 million Americans alive today are adoptees. 2 to 4% of all families have adopted someone, and 2.5% of all children are adopted here in America. I have adopted people in, in my family. My wife has adopted people in her family. And I'm sure if we were to do a poll here in the room today, um, we would be, maybe we'd be really surprised by just how many of us have been, our lives have been touched in some way by adoption. Either maybe you've been adopted or you've adopted someone else or someone in your family. Back in May, you may remember that we had our friends from the Real Hope Project out here speaking about their mission to find homes and families for kids in the foster care system, to find adoptive families for them right here in the state of Minnesota. We are huge fans of their ministry and we can't wait to partner again with them in the future. And I think part of the reason why we're big fans of what they're doing, why we're big fans maybe of stories of adoption, is that these stories of adoption so often, right, they're like, they're sweet stories, right? It's a kid who didn't have a family and then gets one. I mean, the, the very heart of the gospel is that through Jesus, you and I are adopted into God's family. I came across this video this week that I thought would really sum up the kind of heartwarming nature of this. Uh, when you guys have the audio and video ready, go ahead and play that. Three dozen children have new homes for the holidays. Today was adoption day in Kent County. And one East Grand Rapids boy was so excited, he invited his entire kindergarten class to watch his parents officially become his parents. 13 on your side's Nina DeSarrell joins us now with that story and it is sure to pull on some heartstrings, Nina. Oh, and it will. As I was writing and editing this story, I had to pause a few times to collect myself because of how amazing and touching this is for kindergartner Michael Clark Jr. and his new parents. We began the school year as a family. A big family. Family doesn't have to be DNA. Family is support and love. With an even bigger heart. My name's Damon, and Michael Orlando Clark Jr. Oh. He is a very active and silly, silly kindergartner. Invited his entire class to watch this moment. It is ordered, Michael, that your forever mom and dad will be David Andrew Eaton and Andrea Louise Melvin. And cheer him on. One, two, three. Sometimes their journeys have been very long. They've included miracle and change for the children and family and incredible community support as you were able to see today in Michael's adoption hearing with his whole kindergarten class and school being here to say we love you, we support you, and we'll be here not only today but in all the years in the future. It's safe to assume how Michael feels. Oh, we've been working with Catholic Charities and the workers there have just been amazing. They I love my daddy. That, wow, I <laughs> love my daddy so much. This is just too much. This is just too much. Um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing, obviously, how supportive they've all been. I love been. my daddy too much. 
Even now I'm getting emotional. Michael's kindergarten class is from Wealthy Elementary in East Grand Rapids. The principal, his teachers, and other parents were there to celebrate. This was the 23rd annual adoption day in Kent County. Juliet and Nick. I mean, come on, right? It's incredible. And that part at the end where he, like, he just can't help it. Like, I love that, that last one. He's, he's like, I love my daddy too much. It's, it's pretty good. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a process like that? I, but I want, to, I want to press on that just for a moment. I want to press on that for a little bit because as it pertains to adoption into God's family, I, I don't want to ruin that video for you, but when it pertains to adoption to God's family, I'm not so sure that your or I's video would be like quite that cute. You know what I mean? We have a sinful nature. You know, when I was speaking with one of the reps from the Real Hope Project, their whole mission is making videos highlighting kids who get overlooked in the foster care system, especially teenagers. According to adoptuskids.org, this year more than 20,000 young people will leave foster care without a forever family. And I think I know why. I imagine that most teenagers who are in the foster care system seem daunting to adopt because of the, the, the seemingly emotional baggage and issues that they might bring with them. Here's a list, uh, again, on adoptuskids.org. Here's a list of the top reasons that people give for not adopting teenagers. Maybe they are, they're too old to want to be adopted. Uh, if a, I think this is one that I think a, a ton of people probably think about. If a teen, uh, if teenager is up for adoption, it's because they are ungovernable. Some of it, you know, I don't know how to parent an older kid. A baby, I can do a baby, that's easy. But a teenager? <sighs> Some people think that kids that old don't need a parent. They're practically an adult. For some, they say, I can't afford a teenager. And I think a lot of people probably ask this one, and maybe you're even like if you were to put yourself in these shoes just for a moment, I think a big question would be, what if they don't like me? Man, doesn't that just like suck you right back to middle school in like the worst way? But you and I both, we know, right, objectively, that teenagers are in need of loving parents in their lives just as much as little kids, right? They just seemingly or sometimes realistically come with more baggage. And I'm here to tell you today that you and I come with a lot of baggage when it comes to being a part of God's family. I mean, uh, look at our text. Zacchaeus certainly came with some baggage. Let's look at our text again today, verses 1 and 2. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. See, in Jesus' time, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector there in the city of Jericho. And the book of Luke describes how Zacchaeus, like other tax collectors working for the Roman Empire, was seen as a sinful figure of ill repute. 
self-enriching, corrupt, and traitorous to their Jewish community. Zacchaeus was a man who had few to no friends, and he had likely cheated most of them into overpaying their taxes and then pocketing the margin for himself. And yet, this crooked man was looking for something or someone in particular. Verses 3 and 4. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Scripture doesn't tell us what, what compelled Zacchaeus to go to such great lengths to see or hear Jesus that day. Maybe he had heard wind of this message from this, from this radical rabbi. Or maybe he just wanted to see the latest kind of local celebrity teacher that, that the news had been rumbling in the countryside that you really want to see who this Jesus is all about. Verse 5, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You know, um, some of you, if you've heard me preach before, know that one of my favorite kind of sources of stories, I think they, they do the best job out there on telling um, all sorts of stories is the NPR program, This American Life. And I stumbled across a story this week that really t- kind of ratchets this whole adoption thing up to another level. You know, we just watched the video of that sweet, smiling kindergarten boy I want to offer you a very different story to compare and contrast. In the 1980s, there was a boy named Larry. Larry had grown up in the foster care system. His, his mom had, had, um, had left him as an infant, and he just bounced from home to home to home. At one point, Larry, as, uh, before, he was by the, before he was the age of 10, he had spent uh, eight years in six different foster homes. Um, never a place to call his own. And then finally he gets adopted. And again, for, I think for most scenarios, then it's like, oh, like finally he got, he got his family. But it, it wasn't a happy ending for Larry. Larry was adopted into a family um, that was um, hyper-controlling, verbally, emotionally, physically abusive to Larry, it was a home that he shouldn't have, have been in. And in this, this extremely toxic situation with this family and with young Larry, it all came to a horrible end one night where Larry snapped and murdered both of his adoptive parents. It's a horribly gruesome account that ended, ended up with Larry going to prison for many years. It's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of an outrageous story, so much so that they wrote a book about it. It was a best-selling book in the 80s, uh, turned into a made-for-TV movie. 
And when this book was popular, it was kind of circulating around, there was, a, there was another couple in suburban Baltimore who picked up the book, they read it, and they were just immediately gripped by the story of Larry. Not from the kind of horrendousness of the, the murder account, but they felt such deep empathy for all of the abuse that Larry had gone through. So much so that it, it, it encouraged them to start writing to Larry. So they started writing letters to Larry. And Larry wrote letters back. And they did this for a while. And then it graduated to phone calls. And then it graduated to this mom and dad with their two daughters picking up. And they would drive hours across the state to go see Larry in prison. I want to read you this next part. And this is from the perspective of one of these teenage daughters. This is the one who's, who's telling the story. And she says, by 1993, at the age of 27, Larry was set to be released. He'd originally had a 12-year sentence, but three years of that were knocked off for good behavior. The judge could have given him two 20-year sentences for both of the murders, but knocked it down to 12 years total, which shows how seriously the judicial system viewed Larry's troubled upbringing. In the end, he served nine years. For a while, my parents had been talking about how Larry would have no place to live and nowhere to go. He would be on probation and he would need a job. My dad was worried that Larry would be eaten up on the outside, that he needed guidance. How would he be able to forge a life for himself, especially bearing that notorious name that had been in the news, the name of a convicted murderer? And so the decision was made that Larry, at the age of 27, would be formally adopted into our family. He would take our last name and he would live with us in our home. So hold that image in your mind. And then let's look at the end of our scripture text for today. Verse eight, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That is the very business that Jesus Christ is in, is to save the lost, to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable, Robert Capon says it this way, that everybody, even the worst stinker on earth, is somebody for whom Christ died. And if we're being honest with ourselves, when we add up the total of our sins and put it on the report card, we look way more like Zacchaeus or Larry than we do like that sweet kindergarten boy. And yet... God knows that in full and still sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the worst stinker on earth because he loves you completely and wants you to be a part of his family. He knows you inside and out and still 
did everything to make you a son or a daughter of the Most High King. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When, um, when Glenn, he's the father from Maryland that adopted Larry, when he was asked, like, why? Why did you do this? Why would you adopt an adult man who had previously murdered his former adoptive parents? This was his response. The judge looked at me square in the eye, which a lot of the questions he had, I'm sure the same questions that everyone else had. Why are you involved in this? And I just looked at him and said, everybody needs a family. And that's really the only thing that I can comment on as far as why everybody needs a family. And certainly, this is one young man as an adult who really never had a childhood who needs a family. Everyone needs a family. And church, everyone needs God's family. If you're sitting here today and this is the first time you are hearing this, or maybe it's the first time that it is really sinking in, I want you to know this truth. There's nothing that you have done that has stopped God from wanting you and his family. God's love is truly greater than whatever sin is in your past. He has come to save you and me, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And not only that, like, some of my favorite parts about the gospel is that it's good, and then God just, like, keeps upping the good, because God's not looking for foster children into the family of God. No, my friends, when God adopts you, you are a new creation, He makes you a son or a daughter of the Most High King. You even receive his name, Christian. You get the mark of being a little Christ. He not only forgives the debts of your sin, but he also gives you the full inheritance of the kingdom. You are made a brother and sister of Jesus Christ. On that gotcha day, your old self dies and your new self is made, robed in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I want to wrap up this morning with this. Becca read our call to worship earlier from the book of Ephesians, and I want to read it to you again, but from a a different translation. How blessed is God And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had you in mind. He had me in mind. And had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving 
for the very hand of his beloved son. Long ago, God made plans to adopt you into his family. I hope you hear that. I hope that you hear that you are loved, that you are not a foster child in the family of God, that you are not one that is, that is cast to the end of a table and not really a part of things, but God has made you a son and a daughter. He loves you. Would you pray with me? God, it is extremely humbling to hear that. It's extremely humbling to hear that because in my heart I know that I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. <laughs> I can't repay you. I couldn't even begin to try. And yet you took that all into consideration. You took that all into thought and you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins and for our sins and for the sins of the worst stinker in the world because you love us. God, we are so thankful to be called your children. I pray this in the name of our brother Jesus Christ and our Father God. Amen.